another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. This week on the pod, I have once a perfect stranger who has become, I'm going to call him, my new friend. He wrote a book called A Self-Help Guide for Copywriters that another mutual friend sent to me in the mail. And when reading this book, I thought, hot diggity, I'm most definitely not someone who identifies as a copywriter, yet I have deep love for someone who's brave enough to publish a book. Dan Nelkin is a copywriter, a professional copywriter, who is now a thriving, raging entrepreneur, sought-after speaker, and community maker based in Vancouver, BC. I stumbled over my words as to how to properly introduce Dan, and what I wanted to share was page 152 from the book, because it really hit my heart, and I think it might hit yours too. He writes this, To make better ads, stop looking at ads. And I'm going to interject here and say that in our pod, we riffed on what what is advertisement anymore and what was once advertising then and, and what is it now. It's changed so much, as has the rest of the world. I digress. He writes, if all you do to build your craft is stare at award annuals, it's no different than watching LeBron James highlights and expecting to walk onto the court and play like him. Ideas come from life experience, and if your only experience is thinking about ads and looking at ads, you're drawing from a shallow pool. It's good to know what's been done, but the non-advertising world doesn't give a rat's ass about your ads. They care about culture, they care about themselves. Be curious about the world and people. Ask questions, travel, watch films, make films, read books, reread books, write things, listen to music, play music, listen to podcasts, make a podcast, meet new people, make one of those people a therapist, exercise, meditate, talk less, listen more, learn more. And if that is any indication of what this beautiful book is all about, it's about so much more than copywriting. And that is just what the joy of recording with Dan was. So much more than riffing with a copywriter. So without further ado, I really hope you enjoy this one. You can find him at all the links in the show notes. And welcome, Dan Nelkin. Dan, welcome to the pod. I am so grateful you said yes. Oh, I'm so grateful you asked. Thanks, Steph. Ah, uh, well, you know, spoiler I received your book as a gift in the mail mm. and then reached out and said, Dan, I want to riff more because you use exclamation marks in places that I love exclamation marks. <laughs> you write like a human and you said, I, I don't know about this stuff. I don't want, really want to talk about this book. So I, I need to put the spoiler <laughs> that this book is excellent. It's exceptional. I would never identify as a copywriter and the link will be in the show notes so that other folks can buy this book. And I know that you are many other things beyond being an author. And so I'd like you to kick us off with an intro of who are you, Dan, in 2023? Who am I in 2023? I'll give you a very different answer than I would have in, in who I was in 2020. Uh, I hit publish on this book that I had been working on for quite a while. And I didn't hit publish thinking lots of people would read it. It would sell. It was something I did for me. And I guess that's why I say I don't... The book to me is secondary. It's amazing and it's a helpful tool if if you want to become a better writer, if you struggle with self-doubt in the creative process, it will help you. But the number one thing all along for me was just finishing something for myself. And it has happened to resonate with lots of people and it is changing my life. So me in 2023, I think where I'm at, I'm wrapping my head around going from I, I've described it as from idiot to expert and accepting that I am an expert. Um, I can be so obviously self-deprecating, 
it's just been shocking to me this path that I'm I've just created something that would have helped me. And it wasn't from a, I know all this and I'm going to help you. It was I need to know this and I'm struggling with this. And now people are calling me an expert. And I realize that I am from the content and everything I've been creating. So that adjustment has been, uh, you know, full of, of growth. And so now I'm being asked to, to speak to companies around the world. I'm running workshops with companies. I have an online course. I'm creating content on, on the socials regularly. And my life is, has really changed. I think I'm, you know, I'm just realizing on the other side of all of the things and the fear that was stopping me my whole life on the other side of that is predictably the joy and creative freedom that had kind of been escaping me most of my life. And mm -hmm. that's why I guess I said I didn't want to talk about the book because that's just to encourage other people to create more for themselves and do the things uh, mm -hmm. yes. more important to me. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. And you know, your tagline is your inner critic is a ding dong, <laughs> which I, I just love the ding dong. And <laughs> I appreciate that you acknowledge this self-deprecation in yourself. And I want to start actually with the honest struggle. And if mm -hmm. we can like take the, the lens of self-deprecation off, because yeah. we are going to honor the hero in you of today. Yeah. And it's awesome. so helpful to first get to like, can you tell us more about like life when you really did see yourself as a ding dong and the the struggle before the book and and you do allude to it in the book that you know it took many tries before mm -hmm. you hit publish and i i ask you this question i dive in so emphatically because i think so many people suffer from the inner critic and from the self doubt and we forget that the joy on the other side usually means folks have gone through that too yeah. and yeah you, you yeah go dive in okay first of all i want to give uh, a shout out to a mutual friend stephen bailey who uses the term ding dong quite a bit i kind of i just it, it was an evolution and so uh it's credit to stephen bailey for inspiring ding dong your inner critic is a ding dong is my is my like tagline on, on linkedin and i guess that's an example too of instead of talking about myself it was also something i was giving people in, in that space on linkedin but to answer your question and and my struggle when I was being more controlled by my inner critic, I don't think I realized the full extent until I until I started pushing through, and I'm continuing to do that. How much it was controlling me because I think what I was buying into before I would have the bad feeling, maybe the self doubt would kick in. I would just go quickly to excuses. Well, oh, I don't have time, or I don't know what I want to do, or I'm not passionate about, I'm not sure what I'm passionate about. And so I didn't do anything. It was like just the perfect excuse. And I think I just made a commitment with the book to I'm going to finish this thing. And it was over a period of eight years where I was just chipping away on it on the side. And then the last two years, I got quite serious about it. And countless times I wanted to stop. Even a few months before I hit publish, I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And it's probably flawed for these reasons. And I'll just leave it. And so it wasn't until I was like, no, I'm finishing it. And then, you know, the first podcast interview I did was also terrifying. The first talk that I gave this, I just came back from the first time ever being flown to speak somewhere. Also terrifying. Also a week before I was like, well, maybe I just won't go and I'll return the money. And, you know, so you have to constantly, you're just overcoming this at a and so I'm just having to confront that and realize, oh, these excuses were, they, they were not valid. It was really this fear that I was avoiding. And so every time every I do something like this, this, well, yeah, that's where confidence comes from and growth. And I was avoiding it. And I think a lot of people do that or they think it's unique to them. Mm -hmm. 
like this feeling and this discomfort. It's like, no, I think a lot of people who are quite successful just get better at handling the hard things. And they realize is once you do it a few times, you're like, ah, okay, Mm -hmm. it doesn't get as hard. Or if your day job is hard and this is hard, well, one of them has a bigger payoff and reward with this like confidence and joy and the life you want to live. Another one kind of doesn't. Yeah. Um, Yeah. 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 So can we talk about dancing with the struggle? I I love the line, like the perfect excuse. It's one thing to talk about that it took eight years. It's another thing to say like, okay, and you brought it to life. So what did it take to push through? What did it take to not give up on it? Or, or did you, and was there someone who came in and said, stop being a ding dong, Dan, like, keep going. <laughs> you know what it was? I, I mean, there's a, a couple things, but my kids for sure mm-hmm. in 2020, beginning of the pandemic found uh, my daughter was born, but a year before, you know, it found out that, you know, we were expecting Mm. And for me, that was the perfect excuse to like, well, now I have to wait another five years until she's in uh, school. And I stopped myself, you know, she was, this is seven months before she was born. And I made a note in my phone and because I had promised myself, no, I'm going to finish it. And I wrote a note to her that said, I'll never, ever be able to give you what you've given me in, uh, in life. Yeah. Because the one thing I'm going to get it a bit, the something I saw recently, it was actually from an ad. I think it was for Xbox. And as an older, older ad, but they got some footage from a lab and it's an actual study. And they, I don't know, it was a, with fleas. And so fleas can jump however high, let's say three feet. But if you put fleas in a jar, well, they'll jump out of it. But if you put a lid on the jar, they learn that to stop just short of the lid and the fleas don't jump. And if you take the lid off, they never jump out of the jar. And if you dump them out of the jar, they never, ever jump any higher than that. And any flea born to those fleas never, ever jumps any higher than those fleas. That's true. And so that is what pushes me now when I think of my kids and the fear I feel as I take these steps. I'm like not just doing it for me now. And I think that has really helped me and helps me push through these things now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Dan. I mean, I think that the joy of your profession in the space of copy is that you translate words to feelings. I Mm. want to honor that not everyone who is an expert in the space of copywriting also has the gift of telling a story. Mm-hmm. And I think that typing words, um, creating imagery, et cetera, is one skill set. I think storytelling mm-hmm. is another skill set. And can you please never stop telling your fleece? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it's actually one one of the things that I really adored about reading your book is your way in which you tell us a story and, and bring mm-hmm. us along. And while it is wrapped in the appropriate amount of self-deprecation, it is wrapped in <laughs> appropriate appropriate amount of emotion that keeps us human that keeps us connected and i just you've you've made a dent in my heart we're only five minutes into this conversation i will never put a lid on a jar again let the things jump
you said fleas and you said fleas in plural. Uh, and that brings me to community in plural. And, you know, before we hit record, we mentioned, you know, what is community and what is community in this, the space of Vancouver. I'm wondering if you can riff for me a little bit more and it doesn't need to be geographical and it can be professionally bound. Community is something that is so important to me. And I'm just wondering how it has shown up in your life and what does it mean for you now on the other side of a pandemic? Mm-hmm. Well, it's funny. It was interesting. I would say because this journey started for me during a pandemic when everyone's social circle were shrinking, mine expanded. Mm. It was through social media, the messages I, I get daily, almost to this day, since I hit publish and started sharing content on LinkedIn. People I have connect with, connected with virtually. The one thing that I do feel I'm missing, though, is the, you know, IRL in real life. And particularly on the West Coast, uh, mm-hmm. in terms of a community, I haven't found it. If it exists, you know, reach out to me and you're listening in terms of, uh, yeah, like a creator community or even uh, from a marketing aspect. There's just seems to be very little going on here. And so the communities I'm more connected to are either in the States, London, England has an amazing copywriting and creative community that I hear more from places like that than I do here. And maybe it means starting starting something here. I don't know what's ha- happening in the West Coast. Maybe it is happening, but I haven't mm. encountered it in the three years uh, since I've been on this path. Mm. I'll say this, that I'm, I know I want it now. When I think at first, I was like, oh, this is cool and online, but something was missing for me. And also, you know, I need help and support and to learn from other people. And I'd love for that to be a a bit more in person for sure. Well, that is really powerful because the next place I wanted to take this conversation was in this moment, I think we're in a, you know, a a hockey stick growth conversation about AI and that an AI Mm -hmm. is, is changing so many things. Yet part of the reason, which I didn't share with you as to why I so badly wanted to connect is because you are a professional copywriter in many respects. Everyone who has an Instagram account could deem themselves a professional copywriter for themselves. Everyone is Mm -hmm. curating their own brand and writing copy their way. And it doesn't take away at all from the profession of Mm -hmm. you. I mean, I love that you shared, I went to school for this and I don't even know where people go to school for this anymore. It's like, is this just called grade 12 English class in (laughs) high school? I don't know. Um, I just honor the path and the radical transformation you have seen in your career from what agency life was when you were there to what agency life is today to the freelance world. And then you said, you know, and now they're social. Like I, mm-hmm. I remember my life very vividly as an adult, not having social media, like yeah. that's the thing. And now, so can you just tell me more about the evolution and how, what that has meant specifically for your career, your profession, and what you have seen along the way. Well, yeah. I mean, like you, when I started working for ad agencies, we the had projects, ads in the world, TV, radio, <laughs> like billboards, outdoor, newspaper ads, full page newspaper ad was like a big deal. So that's where it started. And then, you know, internet. So at first it was web ads and websites and and at first it was seen as secondary. Oh, it was this thing that we kind of have to do, but it was still traditional media because they hadn't figured out how to monetize the internet. And then social media came along. And so, you know, you'll have a campaign where you're still doing TV, radio, outdoor, 
print ads. Now you have to do social, which at the time, you know, would have been Facebook. And then Instagram comes along. I don't know the order of everything, but now there's TikTok and it's just everywhere. And you're doing for sure less of the traditional media, but it still exists. So it's it's a lot. I, I think it's, you know, like any career you get, if all I was doing was TV, radio and outdoor, I think I would have got bored of some of those mediums. And so now I think it's cool in the different ways we can show up and use technology. But I think what happens is there's all of these platforms, all of this content is required, but you don't have, your creative department isn't five times the size. So I think what happens is you have people who are, I don't say specialists, but we can do it all, do all your social and they'll do it for less. It's just a race to the bottom price-wise, but also quality-wise. And so I tend to work with bigger brands who, but then you look, if it's the speed of creation and then AI, yeah. okay, the quality isn't as good, but it's super, super fast. Yeah. And if this company is like, well, I can get it done almost for free and I'm only making this much less, well, I think I might use that. And so a lot of companies are. Bigger companies, not so much from a pure, purely writing perspective. It's not replacing quality human writing with feeling and emotion and to build like a brand that stands for something whether that's your own brand or, you know, a product or service. So I'm not worried about that. I think, you know, the one knock on AI is that it's not human enough. But I I think a knock on people is maybe we're not machine-like enough, maybe too emotional. And I think there's a happy medium somewhere. I think we need to be faster thinkers and there are systems and structures that we can employ. I think we've treated creativity like magic for too long and it's hard to scale. It's hard to keep up with the amount of content that's required. So I think we have to embrace systems and be more machine-like and probably uh, less emotional in, in how we create. And we can do that by learning systems and structure, which is a lot of what what the book is and what I talk about to, to ad agencies and, and brands now. Mm-hmm. Well, I want to just honor that we mm-hmm. are hearing that we need to be more machine-like from the man who took eight years to write the book. <laughs> and I say that with love that says like, we are still also human and the creative process does take time. And as quickly as you are to say that, you know, we might need to check some emotion, you are never asking us to not bring human Mm -hmm. emotion to the content, to the story. And what came up for me or what I want to just reflect back that I heard was there is an attachment that comes with emotion. It's like, I create something and I'm going to love it. And this is it. It's like the more the faster rather that we can release that emotional feeling of attachment allows us to stay in this generative process and continue to create. And as soon as there's emotion and then there's feedback and then I give up and then I, and then Mm -hmm. the bottom feels really comfortable because there's a lot of people at the bottom. Mm -hmm. And uh, that is the community of bottom that we don't want to be a part of Mm -hmm. and is why we continue to show up in the world. Oh, I love that. I'm curious about, I I love asking creatives this. I never, I would never identify as a creative and I'm like, so jealous of you, Dan. I just, I'm like, can I put a few words together that are creative? And I, I want to know things like, who are you inspired by? Or who do you think has done a really good job that touches your heart and soul? Like, who do you look to and say, gosh, that brand or that human high five? You know what? I don't know. This is going to come as a shock. I'll share the one that's coming to mind. It's liquid death as a brand. Really? Yes. Okay. Tell so, me more. Okay. 
So Mike Cesario is the founder, former ad guy, creative. He never felt like he belonged in advertising. And this brand is such an like expression of him, his interests, skateboarding, punk, but it's also very like purpose-filled. Mm. He was working on like for brands like Red Bull and these energy drinks. And he had friends in punk bands who were sponsored by them, but he knew all their cans, they were made special for them, were filled with water because they would not drink this stuff that was being marketed to kids. And so he had a thought, it was like, what if I created a water that had the edge of these like sugar filled, like crap drinks that are poisoning kids, but it was water, the healthiest drink in the world marketed even edgier than those brands. And that was one thing. So we started down this path. And then he found out that most of the plastic bottles that water comes in are not recyclable. Cans are. So it's water in a can. He named it Liquid Death. He pushes that brand so far. It's, I don't know, a billion or, or what it's worth now. And he's just even, even he's hired bartenders as salespeople for the brand. He's hired, he works with these artists and musicians who are kind of struggling. And now they have like, he's employed them to create music and do things for the brand. They're, if this company is ever like bought out, they're all going to have life-changing money. These people who couldn't get work, he they all have like stake in the company. He's done so many wonderful things. I probably wouldn't create Liquid Death as a brand if it was me. But what I love is that I feel like he's just being himself so completely and he's sharing it with other people that, you know, sure, he's had an edge and never fit in. So he created a space for himself. Oh, and, yeah. Liquid Death. Who Who would have thought, hey? Yes, you have just, you flipped my heart. And what I want to share is that we can actually, with the right story being told by the right person, flip our perspective, transform our thoughts very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. And you said liquid death and I won't lie from head to toe. I have a reaction because I look at those cans and think, gosh, why? And to know that someone has found their space and place in this world and is bringing a crew along with them, mic drop. I hear you. It's like, he's actually, I think I've never met him, but from, you know, I've researched him. I know people who know him that, yeah, he's like a kind, good hearted person who he is. And he's, he's intentionally, the whole name of it is, it's a big joke Yeah, that he wants People and there are kids drinking water that weren't. And there are people who are trying to stay away from alcohol that can hold this and feel like they're drinking something. Like it's actually done a lot of amazing things. And more than anything, he's just, you know, what would I do? What would I like? Yeah. And he's just doing and and it's resonating. Beautiful. I'm I'm like a light version of that. Like I'm not, I'm not there yet, but I feel like most of this has been like, what would I like not creating for other brands and other people or even yeah. thinking, which a lot of people do on social, what will do well, what will work? Yeah. I'm like, would this have helped me? And if this reaches one person and one person likes it, well, I feel like I've helped one person today. Mm-hmm. I'm not expecting it to go viral or anything like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. someone like that inspires me. Like I would love to grow my version of that. Yeah, you know, for sure. So beautiful. There's a jellyfish story. Have you heard the jellyfish story? I don't know. The jellyfish story is uh, a a father and a daughter walking down the beach and the beach is covered in jellyfish. And as they're walking, the man, the dad continues to pick up one jellyfish at a time and throws it back into the ocean. Hmm. And the little girl 
pauses partway through the walk and says, daddy, there's so many jellyfish on this beach. You're never going to throw them all back in the ocean. Can you just stop trying? Come with me. Like, let's go on this walk down the, down, down the beach. And he picks up another jellyfish and he says, but it made a difference to this one and throws it back in the ocean. Awesome. And I had a jellyfish for a long time that sat above my desk. And I just thought, I just need to make a difference to one more jellyfish in the ocean. And there are more jellyfish than I'll ever know exist, but one at a time, one listen, one person doing one more thing to bring joy for, for one moment in time. Like that's it. That's it. I mean, I think social media would be so much better if people had that attitude. Instead, everyone's like, what works? Yeah. Like just help one jellyfish today (laughs) or one one this week. One this week, but to your point is I'm like, how did we define what works even yeah. means? You know, what, what does that even mean? Really, really? There's yeah. so many things that are backwards. And that's one that, that bugs me quite a bit as, as I'm in, in that space. Of course. And you see things that work and it's terrible. It's like, it's really predatory. A lot of that stuff. Mm. Yeah. I know like a slot machine. Yeah. I know that human brains will like this, even though they don't really like it. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it stops a lot of people from creating because you think, oh, I have to create something uh, this many times on this many platforms. Yeah. Going back to the book and talking about slow, like quality content. Yeah. I started once a week. I'm going to share one thing on LinkedIn. And it was a bit, I, you know, I had a head start because I had a rough draft of this book and I was like, well, I'll share bits of it to polish it and see if it resonates. Beautiful. And so it was once a week. That was all. And now it's, you know, I don't grow as fast as, you know, the influencers who are just doing what works. Yeah. But I feel like, you know, it's close to 40,000 people now. And this talk that I just booked was, but wasn't from, I don't even know if they had read my book. They read something that I shared on LinkedIn. Yeah. Once a week. Yeah. It was quality. Yeah. As opposed to just getting a bunch of likes and followers that are kind of meaningless. Yeah. Because if you get one and it's quality and you did something You're good. of value, there you go. Yeah. Over time, I believe quality will win the day on social. I hope so. Yeah. 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 It will. It has to. Yes, absolutely. Okay, my I have one other question before we wrap. And I'm going against a little bit of my, you know, a, a personal belief here, which is, you know, we've crossed the finish line, we finish a goal, and everyone's favorite question is like, what's next? Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes I think there's a moment to celebrate. And sometimes, you know, goals are personal and not to be shared. Yet I have to break this with you because I'm so curious of what the next level of uncomfortable for you is. And mm-hmm. if publishing mm-hmm. the book, you know, let your fleas jump three feet high, what's five feet? And do you care about five feet or are you growing the fleas? What's next, Dan? Mm-hmm. You know, I think what's not very next, but what's in my future and, and the next flea jump for me, the next level higher is probably I've told myself this path from from before I I published the book. So the book was called is called a self-help guide for copywriters. And my newsletter is called a self-help guide for creatives. The plan was always to do a self-help guide for creators. I don't know that I'll call it that. But once this path 
you know, as, as this becomes my work, I want, want to help other creative people, other people create more for themselves. And so I think that will be it and figuring out what that is. And maybe it goes back to what we talked about and it's forming a community around that. I, th- I think that's where I'm, I'm headed ultimately. Yeah. Beautiful. I love yeah. it. I'm not being cheeky. It's because mm. you said ding dong. <laughs> wondering if you have your perfect excuse curated yet as to why that might not happen. Oh, why that might not happen. I do. Yeah. I have it curated. Would you share? Um, you know, I, I had told myself that I can't do that until I've fully replaced my income. So if I'm having to work at all for clients, then I've not fully done it. So once that's fully done and I'm, this is my full time, I want to help other people. Like, so I feature in my newsletter, I don't do it every week. Uh, well, now it's every two weeks, but I'll share an escape artist. An escape artist is, I just feature someone. It's usually a creative. If it's kind of my audience, like a creative in advertising is often how we refer to them for those listening. But it's someone who's creating for themselves. It just inspires me so much. I'm just naturally drawn to it. It's often not what the content of my newsletter is. I bring up Mike Cesario and Liquid Death, and these are people creating for themselves. I'm just so inspired by anyone who's doing it. And I want to just, I think as I'm starting to find myself on this path, I just want to help other people feel this too and get over what was stopping them. Because it took me a while in life to to get going. And, you know, I thought of this earlier when you were like, what was it that got you over the hump? And I mentioned my daughter, my kids, but it was also my frustration. You know, I just felt like a volcano that like, I have to do something. And now it erupted with that hitting publish, whether there was a response to that book or not. I knew that's what would happen. So now it's partly managing the flow of this eruption. Like I can't do everything. Yeah. What are my goals? choose the ones that are getting you there. Like you can't make everything. Yeah. That's what I'm working on now. Yeah. Oh, I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. I love it. We could talk. I've already taken up too much of your time. I feel like I could talk to you for a very long time. It's we will make sure that there is a link to your newsletter. Um, I do love your LinkedIn profile. I yeah. love the quality. I personally am not on social media. Um, Good for you. I don't know if it's good. It's true <laughs> right now. That's what I can yeah. say. True yeah. for me. Um, we will ensure there are those links. Before we go, I must ask you our final and my favorite question, which is what is currently making your heartbeat faster right now, Dan? Do you know what it is? It's the support I've received on this path. I've just been so blown away that I don't think people realize uh, how, what a difference it makes to reach out to an author, a creator or someone to, you know, because everyone, you look, your inner critic is a ding dong. I still have it. You know, I have it, I'm giving this talk the other day and someone yawns, I immediately make that mean something about my content or, you know, like, and I know it's not like part, but it's, it's triggering. So I, because it took so much to start creating, it just feels so wonderful. I'm just so blown away that people, I I think it's shown me how, in spite of what we see and hear around the world and the news, people are amazing. That's what this path has shown me. Like most people are just wonderful. They really are. I'm, and I've been blown away. That's been like... Um, yeah, made my heart beat faster for sure. I love it. And you'll see that if you start creating, sorry, but that's how you'll see that, right? Because if you're not creating, you won't, if you consume social media, all bad, (laughs) you know, like most of it's bad. If you're creating and not consuming, you're controlling it. And if you're being helpful and kind, whoa, you get that back and you get all that back more. It's, it's amazing. 
it's amazing. And it's also courageous and it's brave. It's so generous of you. It's totally vulnerable and it's freaking worth it. That's what I know. Awesome. Thanks, Steph. Thank you so much, Dan. Oh, hey, before you go, you know, listening to podcasts on this thing called the internet, it's a wild ride. And what would be so helpful on our wild journey is if you would be so kind to jump on and give us a review. Four, maybe even five stars. It really helps. Thanks for joining us.